Mud Stories, Episode 32. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. The thing that I have learned, though, is that just because the things are good things doesn't mean that they're good for that particular season in your life. You never regret saying no, but you sometimes regret saying yes. So I really feel that The Fringe Hours is a book for every woman who feels like she could do a little better job of making time for herself to practice self-care and to make time for her passions. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are not alone. Hey friends, welcome back to the Mud Stories podcast. I'm so excited you're here with me today. I think you're going to find this topic that we're going to discuss without a doubt is one that each and every one of us can relate to. And that is this idea of feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, overcommitted, and just in general, having a loss at how to make time to find the things that we love, the passions that feed us, that make us come alive. And I know, you know, we don't ever really intend to not take time for those things that really feed us and those passions that we love. But you know what? Life gets busy and there are commitments that we make and time gets away. And unless we're intentional, it really does become an overwhelming and exhausting scenario. And it can feel a lot like being in the mud. And so I'm really excited to share my guest with you today. But before I do, I wanted to quickly mention a couple things to you. First of all, don't forget there is a free app called the Mud Stories app that you can download for this podcast. So if you have a mobile device, all you have to do is go to JackieWatkins.com forward slash Apple app if you're an Apple user or JackieWatkins.com forward slash Android app if you're an Android user. And there are over 30 mud stories there just waiting for you to be encouraged and inspired that no matter what we face in life, there can be good that comes from it because of our great God. So I just don't want you to miss those. If you're not caught up, you know, the app is something that allows you to just listen wherever you are. And I would love more than anything for you to be able to take advantage of that. And then also I wanted to mention this podcast has been sponsored since episode 20 and I'm just so grateful to the folks over at audible.com and I know for me I'm on the go a lot, I'm in the car a lot and listening to audio is really one of those ways that I have really been able to capture my fringe hours and we're going to talk about what fringe hours is. But, you know, I would love for you to be able to enjoy that too. And so whether you're cooking dinner or running or you're commuting to the office or you're riding a bike or training for a triathlon or whatever it is that you do where your hands have to be busy but your ears are available, audiobooks is an amazing way to to really listen to fiction or nonfiction, whatever it is that you like. And 
you can get a free audiobook today. All you have to do is go to mudstoriesbook.com and sign up for a 30-day free trial, and you'll be able to download an audiobook today. The awesome thing is when you do that, you can cancel that 30-day trial at any time with no cost to you, and still this podcast gets supported. And so I'd love for you to head over to mudstoriesbook.com and take advantage of that. Well, today I'm talking with Jessica Turner, and Jessica is the founder of a popular lifestyle blog called The Mom Creative, where she documents her pursuit of cultivating a life well-crafted. She's also a writer over at dayspringsencourage.me and an advocate for world vision. She's a regular speaker at blogging conferences nationwide, and she works full-time as a marketing professional. She and her husband, Matthew, live with their young children in Nashville, Tennessee. And in this episode, Jessica and I discuss the dilemma of wanting to over-yes ourselves with so many good things. And that's what she calls it. I love it. She calls it over-yesing ourselves when we just say yes more than we really should or more than we can see we need to. We also discuss the benefits of saying no, which is often so, so very hard, our struggle of balancing our commitments with our relationships, and how to deal with our temptation to compare ourselves and what we're doing with the success of others. Jessica shares some benefits of prioritizing rest and sleep, some practical tips on making more room for ourselves and our passions, and how to find those fringe hours. And she's going to explain to us what fringe hours are so that we can maximize them for our benefit. And so it's my hope that you will enjoy and benefit from my conversation with Jessica. Enjoy. Hi, Jessica. Welcome to the Mud Stories podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Well, I must say congratulations on the newest member of your family. Thank you. You're welcome. I've been loving all the pictures of sweet baby Ezra. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Well, I work in labor and delivery, and um, I read your post about your delivery, and I was so impressed by your hospital and their facility and how they, you know, do that family-centered C-section. I know. Isn't that amazing? I had um, two vaginal births with my first two kids and had a lot of trauma with my second birth and so did an elective C-section this time around, Yeah. Um, in part because my other babies were so big and then Ezra was just a peanut. Um, <laughs> I probably could have sneezed and he would have come out. And so I was like, did I make the right decision or didn't I? Um, yeah. But I ended up having a tubal and they found some assist that they had to remove during during the section. And so in that way, it felt like a blessing that, you know, that could have turned into an emergency situation that was taken care of. So, um, but the C-section recovery has definitely been very different for me than, than the regular vaginal recovery. So yeah, it is different, isn't it? I'm definitely still moving slow. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the key slow, but steady. Yeah. You will feel completely normal again. (laughs) That is encouraging. Yeah, you will. You will. You're going to make it. It's going to be great. Um, Well, we're here today. This is called the Mud Stories Podcast, and you have walked through some mud of your own, sometimes of feeling overwhelmed or exhausted and finally hitting rock bottom. And in the middle of that mess, you realize there had to be some change. Will you share with us what kind of set you up? What contributed to you eventually hitting rock bottom? And how did your trip through the mud begin? 
Well, I am one of those people who thinks that I can do it all and thinks that I can do it all better, faster, more efficiently, um, and just should be the one doing all of the things that I say that I, I can do. Um, and so one story that comes to mind in this season of, of feeling like I could do it all at um was my daughter was teething and um, so she wasn't sleeping well and I work full time outside the home and so I was juggling that and I decided my husband and I decided that it'd be a great time to join a community group at our church and I decided to join a book club Bible study at the same time <laughs> all at the exact same time and I was a hot mess. Now, how old was your daughter at that time? So I guess she, if she would have been teething, she would have been like maybe a year and a half. Like I think it was those molars that were coming in. And then your Um, son was older, right? Yep. Uh So they're three years apart. So he, you know, he was four and a half or so. Um, And so, you know, two little kids and um, we were in a new house as well. And I remember just standing at the kitchen sink, just crying. And my husband Mm. is like, you have got to say no. And that might seem like a trite story, I guess, compared to some other people's mud stories. But I think just um, feeling like you can do everything for everyone and then still wanting something for myself, you know, wanting that Bible study for myself and it all just being way too much. I just did not have any margin, even though it looked good on paper. It looked like very doable that in practice it it was just way, way too much. And it was just a a reminder to me of how important it is for me to say no and have some space in my days and, and focus on, you know, the season that I'm in, which at that point was mothering a fussy toddler and, and working full time, right? Like those are things you can't get rid of. Um, and so we ended up saying, backing out of the community group saying that it just wasn't the right time for our family. I, um, stopped going to the Bible study and just that that was, you know, I could have quiet times on my own, um, but that it wasn't, it was just another night out and it was just adding more stress than it was fruit to my life. Um, and that seems to be, uh, I seem to hit bottom on that often. Like that's the over booking myself and Mm -hmm. over yesing myself is the lesson that I have learned again and again and again from the time I was a teenager. I mean, in high school, I remember in my yearbook, my senior year, where it listed, you know, all of the organizations that everyone was involved in. In mine, they had to use a smaller font because <laughs> it didn't fit. Like, I mean, it was, it's, it's comical when I look back at it now. Um, and I think my parents must have been saints for me to be involved in all of those activities. But I think because I have a high threshold for completing things and being able to manage a lot, I, I over yes myself to even an even higher degree than, you know, a normal person's capacity. And so that's just been a hard lesson for me. But time and time again, I, I, I hit bottom. I figure out that I've over yes myself. I back out. I say no and I learn and I get a little better the next time. Um, and the saying no gets a little easier with every with every time. Um, now I'm I'm getting to be that pretty good at saying no and kind of knowing knowing what my boundaries are gonna be. Yeah. Would you say growing up you were more of an extroverted achiever? Is that how you would describe yourself? 
Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm firstborn type A personality in every sense of the word. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a firstborn too. I can relate to that. And yeah. yet it's such a struggle because when you're an extrovert and you want to connect, it's really a letdown to have to say no. Saying no is hard. Yeah. The thing that I have learned though is that you never regret saying no, but you sometimes regret saying yes. And that has been a big lesson for me that saying no, even though if it's hard in the moment, 99% of the time, you're going to be happy that you did that looking back on that season. Okay, so in in the context of saying no, you know, over scheduling ourselves, I think you called it uh, what did you call it? Yesing? Yes. Over yesing. Over yesing yourself. I love that. How, how do you, because here's my dilemma as a person who likes to say yes a lot is sometimes it's hard to weigh the loss of connection and relationship because sometimes let's face it, when we say no to an activity or an event, we are going to lose that reason to see those people on a regular basis and sometimes it's trying to weigh, okay, how much of this ske- can the schedule handle versus what's the loss going to feel like to not have those regular relationships, you know? But the other thing that you're not including in that equation is what you're gaining by saying no. Um, so you can't just look at the loss, but you have to look at what you're gaining, whether it's the time, whether it's capacity, feeling not so overwhelmed. I mean, if community group every Wednesday night is going to stress me out of getting home, getting the kids fed, and then getting to somebody's house by 630, if that's going to be stressful, then it's, it isn't worth it, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and so I, I experienced that with a Monday night community group that I was a part of with women. It was a, a book club, and I was involved in it for a lot of years. And once I had my second child, um, she was a very fussy baby. It's, are you noticing a theme with my second child? Um, <laughs> she was very fussy, and I was her pacifier. She didn't take a pacifier, and I was nursing. And um, I took a break from that group. And in taking that break, as much as I missed those people, I recognized that I need that 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 group was taking up too much of my time in terms of. Um, what my capacity was again in that particular season of motherhood. Um, it was just not something that I could do. And so I ended up leaving the group and it was really hard because those were, um, Mm -hmm. for those years, some of my closest friends. Um, but you know what, God brought different friends and different opportunities. And, um, and while I, I mourned that it was definitely, I can look back and say that was the right decision. Um, not adding that to my plate, but it is hard. But you know, the other thing that I think about when you say about being with other people and, um, not wanting to let people down in those relationships is that hopefully those relationships recognize that you're taking care of yourself and the importance of doing that and will respect that. You know, I always respect when someone says that they can't do something because, you know, they don't have the capacity for it or whatever the reason is. I think saying no is hard. And so knowing that saying no is hard makes me really respect when someone when someone does do that. I think that that means that they are that they're boundaried and they know themselves and their families and their capacity really strongly. Yeah. And sometimes we don't see the benefit fully of saying no until after we already have. 
Right. You Absolutely. Know? Because mm-hmm. then you do gain that margin. I'm guessing for you, that's what happened. You gained the margin. And then you, mm-hmm. you know, took that deep breath and you're like, oh, you know, it's Wednesday night and I'm in for the night. Right. And it's in retrospect, you can see, but in the moment, making that decision is really, really hard, which is why, you know, you, you say, say yes, yes a lot. <laughs> right. Which is why I was like, yes, we need to be in community group. Yes, I want to do these Bible studies. Like, just because the things are good things doesn't mean that they're good for that particular season in your life. I don't think that I generally say no to bad things or say yes to bad things. I just right. say yes to too many things. Um, right. And so knowing what your capacity is, right down to, you know, signing up for the school bake sale and deciding if you're going to bake the cookies or if you're just going to buy them from the store, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there's a zillion little chances and decisions we could make to say yes to. And really sorting through what those priorities are is the key. And I think that's the struggle. That's the mud that many of us face because you're not alone. I think there's many of us listening who really struggle with some really good opportunities that we really want to say yes to. Mm -hmm. But it's learning which good things to say no to, to make room for greater things, I think. Right. And those greater things might be just being at home and having some time to invest in your own passions. You know, they might not be great things from what the world sees as maybe great things. Um, But just Taking that time for yourself, taking that time for your family is is about the greatest thing I think you can do with your time. Yeah. Well, sometimes in life, we get caught up in the busyness of the moment with all we have to do, all the responsibilities we have is we're trying to sort our way through saying yes and no, and we forget about ourselves in the process. And what are some ways you've personally been able to make some change in this area and, and prioritize yourself more? in the midst of saying yeses and nos? You know, I've actually always been pretty good at making time for me. Um, So that really hasn't been the struggle because even when I am over yesing, I'm still making time for me in the everyday. Um, I just think that it's so critical, but I see a lot of my friends who are over yesing and they're doing everything for everyone except themselves. Um, but I still, I think I'm pretty good, Jackie, at at making time for myself. And one of the ways that I do that is I start my morning with just time for me. Less so with having a newborn right now. Everything's a little messed up <laughs> with my schedule <laughs> with, with nursing a baby every two hours. But um, generally speaking, that first hour of the day I take for myself. Um, and I think when I can start the day pouring into myself, whether it's reading or writing or having a quiet time. But when I first pour into myself, I feel like I'm able to better than serve everybody else in my life. And so that really, that really makes a huge difference. When my family wakes up early, I, I tease them that they're encroaching on my fringe hours and that, <laughs> that I'd be back <laughs> quiet, you know, go back to bed or, you know, go and um, do something quiet in your room so mommy can have this time because I think that it is, it's so important that we we take care of ourselves so that we can be our best in every other area of our life. Yeah. I don't know if that totally answered your question. Well, it does in, in the sense that you don't have a problem prioritizing yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's not mud for you. Um, I'm guessing it is mud for others. And it it is, you know, and it's mud for a lot of people. And I, I understand that because I certainly, I struggle with it in smaller doses. So I feel like I still, um, 
make more time for myself than the average person. But Mm -hmm. certainly like in the, in the past year I was working full time and I got pregnant and then I was writing um, my book, the fringe hours all at the same time. And so obviously I had a lot less margin, a lot less fringe hours for doing, you know, passion projects because in that season, the passion project was the book. I was writing the fringe hours in the fringe hours. Um, And so certainly I can appreciate that. But as a general rule of thumb, it's just always been our norm. Um, And I think that that's, it's an important lesson for my kids. It's just always been kind of a part of what life looks like that mommy does things that she loves. Um, so it isn't, it isn't something that I grapple a lot with, but, um, I, I did a survey in the book about women and time and something that came up a lot that then I added into the book were the struggles that women face, things like guilt and comparison and self-imposed pressures and balance. Um, and even though I kind of found myself on the spectrum of doing the fringe hours really well, I still resonated with all of those struggles. Mm-hmm. It's not like I was totally removed from them. I certainly have had moments where I feel guilty for doing this or that or put a self-imposed pressure on myself to do something that isn't really necessary, that I'm do- I'm just doing it to myself. Yeah. I think I think women are really good at, at putting self-imposed pressures on ourselves, aren't we? Yeah, I think we have higher standards for our own hearts than we do for those around us mm-hmm. a lot of times. Yeah. And speaking of comparison, you know, talking to you today, it's really hard not to compare. I mean, it really just seems like you've got this all dialed in and I'm over here with my five kids and my homeschooling and my working part time and my podcasting. And I'm thinking, wow, like I so still struggle with making time for myself. I struggle with comparison right here and now as we're talking. I mean, to be completely honest, how is it that you deal with that tendency to compare and because so many people are doing so many amazing things. They're accomplishing things, getting books written in their fringe hours, <laughs> getting up at 5am, you know, the 5am entrepreneur club as it's called. And, you know, if I had to wake, I wake up at 5am to go to the hospital twice a week. Mm-hmm. But if I had to wake up at 5am every day, I think I would lose it. First of all, I'm not a morning person by nature. So that is a discipline that it would need to be cultivated. Second of all, I really need a lot of sleep, which is a problem, <laughs> which I know sleep is very important, right? And um, and so, um, you know, I have been getting up earlier the last few months, and it really has been making a difference, except I do have company with little people. So talk to me a little bit about comparison. How have you dealt with the tendency to compare and the temptation to not feel enough? Um, for me, the, the feeling of comparison often comes up in social media. I think that makes it really easy. And perhaps partly because that's where my career is, both my day job, I do um, social media and content strategy. Um, so I'm on social media all day at work. And then um, my blog and in my personal life, I'm just very engaged in those platforms. And so that's really where it comes out for me. And so frankly, the thing that I have to do is turn it off or unfollow people. I mean, to be totally honest, there are people, um, particularly on Instagram, where every time I saw their pictures, I just find myself comparing or wishing that my life looked like that or that I was doing that or that they got those opportunities. And so I, I just have been pretty ruthless about unfollowing people that brought out those types of emotions in me because I, um, I don't feel like that's a good thing. And so trying to remove that from my life as best I can has been one way that I've done that. And the other thing that 
I try to do when I find myself compare, comparing myself or comparing a situation is turning that feeling on its head from comparison to celebration. Mm-hmm. So instead of comparing myself to them or to what I see, I want to celebrate what that person is experiencing or what they have or what they've done. And when you change that and you choose joy and you choose celebration, Mm -hmm. those feelings quickly go away. You cheer them on. Yeah. Absolutely. Encourage. Yeah. And celebrate what makes me me, right? So I might not be able to have a house that looks like that that I see on Pinterest, but I might be really good at something else, you know, and so celebrate my unique qualities and practice gratitude. I think the more that we practice gratitude, Mm -hmm. the less those feelings tend to rear their ugly heads. Yeah. Well, that is how I first was introduced to you. Actually, I came across Anne Voskamp's book the month that it came out and you were hosting the book club of that book. And that's how I got Mm -hmm. to know you. And since then, I've led a couple women's groups intensives through some spiritual formation. And when we talk about gratitude, I have them go back and watch those encourage book study videos of 1000 gifts. They were fantastic. And it was uh, so fun. I we it's fun to think back on that time. You know, I was uh, one of the first people to read that book or certainly in a very small, mm-hmm. small group of people. You know, when we filmed Bloom, we still had the the galleys. It wasn't even out. And, yeah. And we knew that 1000 Gifts was going to be a phenomenon. But wow, what a what a phenomenon it has been. It's been such a joy to cheer Anne on and I know. see all the ways that God has used her. I know. And so when you talk about practicing gratitude, you know, choosing to see all the little things that we do have instead of the things we wish could be ours. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm going to do for you, friend, in your Fringe Hours book that you're releasing. You know, I am going to embrace what I have here, and I'm going to celebrate you in that you have um, really distilled down for us ways that we can pour into our own selves, connect more with God, and experience rest in finding Fringe Hours that work for us. And um, I I love the message because I think it's one that a lot of hearts need. So in light of that, you have written a book called The Fringe Hours. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So the book, The Fringe Hours, Making Time for You, really was the answer to the question that I'm asked so often, how do you do it? How do you find time for scrapbooking and Pinterest projects and working full time in photography and motherhood and being a wife and all of those things. And so I was at a blog conference and was in a session about time. And it struck me the title, The Fringe Hours. And I literally bought the domain during that session. And <laughs> I love that. It, it was just, I, I have to do this. And so I bought the domain and, and started thinking about it and, and realized very quickly that I didn't want the fringe hours to just be my story uh, because I didn't want people comparing to what I was doing, comparing to what my norms are, because my norms right. aren't, you know, aren't your norms. Right. right. We're so all different. We're all different. And, um, and I want to celebrate, celebrate that that's a huge part of the fringe hours. And so I did a survey I had more than 2,000 women respond about time and about their passions and about what their struggles were. And so that really created an amazing foundation for the book. Um, 
So I really feel that The Fringe Hours is a book for every woman who feels like she could do a little better job of making time for herself to practice self-care and to make time for her passions. It's a really practical book, um, kind of no-nonsense, lots of useful tips. And I think if, if you're somebody like me who is pretty good at making time for yourself, there's still stuff that you can take away from The Fringe Hours. Or if you are someone who doesn't remember the last time you did something for yourself, wouldn't be able to identify what your passions are, uh, the book would resonate with you too. And so I'm just so proud of it. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to have written it. And I'm just really excited to see what God does with with the Fringe Hours. Awesome. Well, towards the end of the Fringe Hours, you talk about living well. And in living well, there's different facets to that. Certainly cultivating community, which we've talked about, saying yes and saying no. Finding rest. Can we talk a little bit about finding rest and some tips you have? Because I think a lot of us, as we consider the mud of saying yes too much and when to say no, we really are lacking rest in our lives. And Mm -hmm. so can you speak to that? Some ideas that we can really quiet our hearts and have some rest as we find time for ourselves in fringe hours and live well. So rest was a hard chapter for me to write because I'm not very good at it. I'm going to just be totally honest. And I interviewed people throughout the book and had some some wise people who are good at rest <laughs> kind of help pour into, into that section of the book um, because I think that it is challenging, particularly with the season that I'm in with being a mom with young kids and working full time, which is always go, go, go. But what I have learned is that when I practice rest, even in small doses, right? So even if I take 10, 15 minutes to quiet myself at the beginning of the day, that that is multiplied um, and that it does such good for me. Um, so whether it's taking Sabbath in small doses, having, you know, just a quiet time away, or my friend Deidre, she amazed me and she said that she actually takes several days several times a year where she just will be very quiet and still and and listen and um pray and that just inspired me so much that how can i apply that to to my own life and then sleep is another big one now sleep is an area jackie where i'm i'm good at sleep um you're good at sleep (laughs) i'm good at sleep sleep Um, isn't muddy for you no, it's, it's not the resting that's hard. Yeah, right. It's the re- it's the slowing down, not doing anything. My husband's always like, "You're always doing two things. Like, can you just slow down? Can you just rest?" Um, but sleep is so important for us physically, mm-hmm. um, and it's just something that I really need. So even though I'm getting up at five most days, Jackie, I'm going to bed again, not in the newborn stage, but most <laughs> regular days <laughs> in my life, I am. Um, going to bed at nine or nine thirty and getting up at five, and so I'm getting that yeah. seven to eight hours of sleep, which is so critical. I find that when I'm not getting enough sleep, that impacts all the other areas of my life. I'm crabbier. I'm yeah. you know more tightly wound. I'm just not my best self, and um, that's because we're wired to need to refuel, to need to need that sleep. Um, yeah, and I think that's my problem. Like if I get up at five, the problem is not going to bed at nine. <laughs> You know, I can't go to bed at 11 or 12 and get up at five. It's just not, it's not scalable. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I do think that um, most people can train themselves to get up early and that they'll find that those early hours are more productive are, um, someone once said to me, how you spend your five to nine will determine Mm -hmm. how you spend your nine to five. Yeah. And I just love that, that philosophy. So, um, yes, rest and Living well is is such an important part 
of of this book because ultimately it isn't just about making time for your passions, but it's what is the result of doing that? And what the result is of doing that is being more balanced, being happier and being able to live, I think, a more fruitful, happier life. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly making time for our own selves will bring that feeling of fruitfulness and rest that we're longing for. But man, it is challenging to carve out those fringes. It really is. Um, What are some ways that you see areas of fringe that we can capture? So like we've talked about, mornings are a big one. Um, I think lunch can be one, depending on what your day looks like. For me, with working outside the home, uh, lunch is a great opportunity for me to take that hour and maybe do errands so that I can have time for myself during the evening or have time for myself on the weekend when I would otherwise have to run those errands. Uh, Times of waiting is a huge one. You know, we wait on average 45 to 60 minutes a day. Yeah. That's a lot of time. And what do we tend to do, right? We look at our iPhones and we scroll on Facebook Mm -hmm. when we're waiting. And so can we be more strategic with that? Can we plan our time so that we have, um, you know, our knitting needles with us or a book with us or note cards with us, something that we can do that really brings us joy during those times of waiting. And then evenings, of course, are a huge one. Um, You know, I'll talk to folks and they'll say, I don't have any time for myself, but they spend two, three hours a night watching television. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. There's some time that you could be investing in in yourself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I've watched TV for a really long time. <laughs> but there are certain things. Sometimes I'll treat myself. I know the kids and I, we've um, this season, we've decided it's going to be family night for American Idol. So we, you know, put it on the DVR. Again, not to waste time and seize those fringe hours. I make us wait until the show's been going like 20 or 30 minutes before we can start it. So we can fast forward all the commercials. That's awesome. Yeah. And so we enjoy it. And we can watch in, you know, what normally would take an hour. You can watch it in, you know, 35, 40 minutes. So... There you go. I captured 20 minutes there. There you go. Yay. We don't have DVR, but a DVR would give me, I guess, more fringe hours. Yeah. We'll watch the commercials. Actually, oftentimes what we'll do is we'll read stories during the commercials. That's a good idea. Kind of get two things done. My kids are um, really into MasterChef Junior. Oh. uh, It's on Fox, Mm -hmm. and it's such a sweet show and um, gets us talking about cooking and food and who's going to win and creativity and stuff like that. But then, yes, when the commercials are on, we we read our library books that have to go back to school the next day and, and, and use those hours that way. Yeah. And I love to line up audio things to listen to in the car. I have a commute to the hospital. It's about an hour. And um, so I'm always saving up all the audio things I want to listen to, you know, whether it's a podcast or some webinar or whatever I want to hear and I just line them all up. And that's when I do my listening. And it's great. It's great time in the car. In fact, sometimes the kids are like, Hey, mom, can you take your earbud out? We want to tell you something, (laughs) you know, because yeah, yeah. So sometimes we have family time in the car. And sometimes we have individual time in the car. And I put my earbuds in to care for myself, you know, and um, yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for joining us today at Mud Stories. I really appreciate you taking the time to come share a little bit of your mud, even though, you know, maybe through writing the book, some of it has you've you're a little ahead of us in the processing of finding fringe hours and and uh, handling all of these saying yeses and no's and all the things of balance that we need. But we really appreciate the effort that you've done, not only in the survey and listening to your readership, but to uh giving us a very practical, inspiring book to find fringe hours. So 
can you tell everybody where we can find you online and if people want to follow up with you, what they can do? Sure. I'm pretty easy to find online on Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest. You can find me at Jessica and Turner. Um, my website's themomcreative.com. And then of course there's fringehours.com. And uh, for the book, we're using the hashtag fringe hours. So if you're finding those fringe hours and you're sharing a photo on Instagram or on Twitter or something like that, I'd love to see and cheer you on and in, in finding those fringe hours. I'm also on Facebook and that's the mom creative on Facebook. Great. We're looking forward to all the people who are going to find their fringe hours and, um, you know, make more time for ourselves. So thank you so much for having me. Okay. Have a great day, Jessica. You too. Well, that's all for this episode. I'm so thankful for Jessica for writing her message and for sharing it with us. And it's also my hope that we'll be able to find and select out those fringe hours in our lives to make room for our passions and the things that we love the most. And you can find all the show notes and the links to everything Jessica mentioned in this episode over at mudstories.com. Or you can go to JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 32. And over there, you should know I will have links to a book club Jessica's hosting over the next month or so over at Encourage.me. It's called the Bloom Book Club. And her and a set of friends have sat around a table and they have some videotaped messages for you just discussing the chapters in her book. And there's a Facebook page and even Dayspring products that they've created to match the motif of the fringe hours making time for you. And so I'd encourage you, if you're interested in learning more about Jessica's message, you can certainly check out her website, but also you can go to encourage.me and explore the book club that they're hosting there. Thank you again for taking your time out of your day to join me here on the Mud Stories podcast. I know as I'm sitting in this room recording while I stare at a blank wall, I can't be more thankful that you are on the other side listening two mud stories with me and being encouraged by the stories that others have, how they experienced some mud and how God met them and brought some good out of it in his time. And so I can't wait to meet you next week for our next episode. And I hope you'll find time to join me again. Don't forget, you can get the free app by going to JackieWatkins.com forward slash Apple app or forward slash Android app. There's the free audiobook you can get today by signing up for a 30-day trial over at mudstoriesbook.com. And whatever it is you're doing today, if there is someone you think that I need to hear from or a mud story you know of or some feedback you have for this show, or if you want to just go head over to iTunes and leave a message or review for me, I read each and every one of those. I'd be so honored if you would do that. You can do that by going to JackieWatkins.com forward slash iTunes. But whatever way, I would love, love, love to hear from you and to hear how you're doing, what you think of these episodes and just really any feedback you'd have. And of course, I'd be so honored if you would be willing to share this podcast with a friend. I think that's how more hope can spread by hearing of these amazing mud stories that can inspire us all no matter what we're facing today. And so really, truly, no matter what we are all facing, at the end of each day, may we all find a grateful song to sing. Have a beautiful day. A 
never in mama feels a press upon my mind I pull the shame that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame and I never will find a way out and then I feel you next to me you lift my head to see your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. I never in you, mother, feels a press upon my that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame And I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul song